it was definitely a means to an end, if that makes sense. If you come back to the sort of why I did it in the first place, I, I wouldn't even call myself an accountant, even though I technically am. But like for me, it's just like I had to learn the language of business, right? And once I'd learned that, it's like I then needed to go back to, I guess, the business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. We are a show that's all about the accounting profession, and we try to highlight all the different paths that you can take when you start with a background in accounting. For this week, we're doing another first. We have our first international guest joining us on the show, Chris Hooper in Adelaide, Australia. Chris is a partner at Cirillo Hooper & Company, as well as the CEO for Acodex, a fast-growing accounting tech company that's self-described as a unicorn in progress. I just love that. He definitely has a unique story, and I think you'll really enjoy hearing about his entrepreneurial endeavors, both early in his career, before frankly knowing anything about accounting to the last few years as he continues to develop both his accounting practice and the Acodex network. This one was definitely a fun episode to record. If you find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career focused materials. Other podcasts, of course, but books, blogs, and, and even a few tools for employers as well. If you're looking to grow your own career, one publication that may interest you is our book, 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career. You can find it on Amazon, of course, but you can find it for immediate delivery through our website at whereaccountantsgo.com. We took some of the best advice from our first hundred or so episodes and condensed it into this book, 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career. I hope you enjoy it. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Here is Chris Hooper in Adelaide, Australia. Well, hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Well, for the audience, this is another first for us. We have Chris Hooper on the line, and he is the first guest that we've had from outside the United States on the program. Chris is in Adelaide, Australia, and I invited him on the show because I was intrigued by some of the statements I saw online about technology and the future of accounting initially. And then as I dug deeper, I could tell Chris is definitely not a status quo kind of individual, so I knew <laughs> he'd have some valuable insights for us, and I wanted to get him on the show. Honestly, that was the challenge, though, because between our two schedules, plus given that I'm 15 hours behind him due to time zone differences. It was a little bit of a feat, but we were able to make it happen. And Chris, thank you, by the way, for your patience, because I know at least once I messed up the time difference. So thank That's you. That's all right. It, it is always difficult getting these things organized. I always get the ahead and behind part wrong. So <laughs> I know, right? Wait, what day is it over there? Is it Tuesday still? Yes, it's Tuesday at the yeah, end. Yeah, see, of we're Wednesday morning here. Wow. Well, I always like to start at the beginning with all our guests, so why don't we do that? What initially led you to think about pursuing accounting as a possible career in the first place? Well, the decision kind of came when I was about 18 or 19. I actually dropped out of high school and started working in the fitness industry. And I had my own business in the fitness industry back when I was a teenager. And 
you know, for all intents and purposes, I was very good at making money, but not very good at keeping money. And, you know, that was part of the thing that actually led me to accounting in the first place. You know, I wanted to be better at business and I just didn't know how to actually do that. It was a friend of mine who actually introduced me to even what accounting was because prior to actually talking to her, I didn't even know what the word was. And she was the one who basically explained to me what it was and how it worked and that it was basically the language of business. And I guess it just came to me in that moment that it's like, wait, hang on a second, I'm in business and I don't know the language of business, I should probably go learn that. And that's when I just kind of took it upon myself to actually, I guess, maneuver my way into college and actually start studying this. And, you know, I had every intention of actually going back into business for myself in one way, shape or form. I just didn't realize that that business was actually going to be in the accounting business. That's interesting. So you drop out of high school, you go into business and realize that you really don't know how to manage money. And so that yeah. that fact pushed you back into school. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny how it works out, isn't it? That is wonderful. Wow. So what did you end up majoring and did you go straight through school at that point? Yeah. So I had to do like a bridging degree, which was like a technical college component, which was just a generic diploma in business. Once I got good grades in that, I was able to matriculate into like a university. I did a major in accounting and a minor in applied finance. Wonderful. Well, what were your first few jobs like? I'd like to get some of the history before, you know, before what you're doing now with Aquadex. What were those first formative years like in your career? So in the accounting profession, I actually got a job in accounting like my first year of college. A mentor of mine, Carly, basically told me that, you know, I was going to learn much more working in practice than I was ever going to learn at university. She was absolutely right. So I got that first job and look for the listeners on that, you know, have had that first job, you'll appreciate that, you know, there's nothing glamorous, right? And it was well within the the skill set or capabilities of a 19-year-old because it comprised of mostly photocopying, filing, and just general scut work, right? But I guess it was one of those things that being around accountants every minute of every day, you kind of started just learning things and picking up more and more skills after that first year. So I stayed at that firm for about four years and then spent a couple of years in like the corporate sector just to see if the grass was greener on the other side. I wouldn't necessarily say greener, but it is certainly different. Working as a finance analyst for a publicly listed company was then when I actually first started up my first practice, which was a small shop called Cirilla Hooper and Company, which I just started with a mate of mine from school. And I guess four years after that, maybe five years, I can't actually remember, I started up a codex, which is kind of uh, still in the accounting industry, but it's more of a software company than it is anything else. Okay. Before we get too far into that, I was sure. curious about a couple things because I, yeah. I don't want to go back and forth too much. What was the Startup Club and Future Accountants Network? Okay. Those, those, yes. <laughs> those intrigued me. Yes. So the Startup Club was, I guess, like a social club for all intents and purposes that I actually started around the age of 18 or 19 or 20. Because I had sort of this very entrepreneurial streak through high school, I kind of wanted to keep that going even though I was at university and working in an accounting firm. And I had some friends of mine that were, you know, entrepreneurs and they were around the same age. 
And I guess we weren't quite getting what we wanted from, I guess, the traditional networking environment, like, you know, the Chamber of Commerce or anything like that. We were usually like the youngest ones there by like 10 or 15 years. So we started the Startup Club and I guess it was implicitly for young entrepreneurs and it was definitely biased toward technology startups. And you've got to remember back in like 2005, 2006, technology startups were, I guess, relatively rare. But I think the three of us could kind of see where everything was heading in terms of like, I guess, just e-commerce and Web 2.0 and all of that sort of stuff. So that was the startup club. We had like just, you know, weekly or monthly meetups and I guess like a Facebook group where young entrepreneurs could kind of like just collaborate and, you know, share resources and ideas. And then the Future Accountants Network, I started, can't even remember, um, but it was almost a very similar concept, but I guess this time it was for young accounting students. And I guess the big difference between Future Accountants Network was that it was, I guess, across all campuses. So each university I noticed in my hometown has got its own sort of accounting students club, right? But it's only within the confines of the the university, whereas I wanted to create one that sort of, you know, uh, extended beyond all universities. And I also wanted to make sure that it had a very strong link to industry. So I actually paired up with a student from Flinders University and essentially he got the students and I got the accountants and the the executives and all of that. And we would host kind of just a bit more formal events than the startup club where we would get in guest speakers who were maybe partners of firms or CFOs of big companies and that sort of stuff. And we would just create that sort of collaborative environment. And I think the idea was that it would give students, I guess, a better understanding of what the real world was like in in accounting. Okay. You're just not happy unless you're creating something new. It sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. I'm curious, are either of these organizations still around? Was someone else able to pick it up after you've moved on with your career? Yeah, that's right. So the Startup Club is now known as Startup Adelaide Incorporated, which is actually like a registered not-for-profit organization. It's essentially the peak body for the technology sector here in South Australia. So like that's gone on to be like a, you know, fully legitimized organization with a board and executive team and all of that sort of stuff. And they do a lot of like, I guess, lobbying work uh, with the state and federal government. And yeah, so that's running. I barely have anything to do with it these days, quite deliberately, because my rationale was like, well, if it can't stand on its own without me, then it probably shouldn't be standing, if that makes sense. But fortunately, enough people had sort of bought into the vision, so to speak, that I guess it was able to stand on its own two feet, which was terrific. Now, the Future Accountants Network was actually taken over by a company in Sydney called The Outperformer. And yeah, I guess, you know, on that basis, it's still running as well. But that was a different kind of arrangement where, you know, like the startup club that was able to just stand on its own two feet. The Future Accountants Network was just a straight takeover from an established company. Interesting. Okay. Didn't mean to deviate. It's just those. No, are that's the, fine. The names of those organizations too were sort of intriguing to me. So you yeah. were mentioned you started Cirillo Hooper and Company. I got confused or missed how Acadex started. Did you merge? I guess re. Well, yeah. Um, restructure. I uh, yeah. It was kind of a merger and restructure. I guess. So what had happened was, you know, I had Cirillo Hooper and Company. Then a friend of mine uh, had another accounting firm and he kind of wanted to tap into the infrastructure that we'd built at Cirilla Hooper and Company. 
And I certainly, you know, wasn't going to turn away the increase in revenue. So we basically like merged our companies together. Now, the interesting thing in terms of that was actually the restructuring of it. Instead of actually restructuring as a three-person partnership, we actually decided to keep our existing practices and then actually set up a new corporation called the Codex. And then we would actually, I guess, pour part of our revenue into that, I guess, You can't really call it a parent company because it didn't actually own anything, but I guess like operational entity, we would port some of our revenue into that service entity at Codex and then that would finance, I guess, our research development, our marketing, our HR and all of that sort of stuff. And I guess, yeah, that's kind of where it all started because where there was one person, there were several and I guess person by person. And new people just kind of started plugging into that entity and we all started sharing sort of resources and infrastructure. Okay. I noticed online, I was curious about this, just the way it's worded. It says, Chris was appointed CEO of Aquedex in January 2015. Did yes. it start out that way? Because we're talking a few years ago now. Or Yeah. So basically after the merger and restructure, there was a conversation along the lines of, okay, what does this look like? Who's going to run it, et cetera, et cetera. And naturally, as you would have gathered by now, I kind of put my hand up and said, yep, I'll run this. You know, Marcus and the, the staff at Cirilla Hooper and company can kind of take care of my practice. And then I kind of took it upon myself to kind of build out the corporate side of the codex. Okay. How has it developed over the years? Because it's been a few uh, years now. It's been an amazing ride. It's been about, what, three or four years now? And it's just been, I guess, yeah, quite... Uh, I can't even come up with the words to explain it. It's just been a roller coaster, right? It's definitely not, I can't compare it to, I guess, the doldrums of, you know, just running a local small accounting practice. That is very sort of like routine and predictable and very vanilla. Whereas, I guess, a codex, that was like a fast-moving technology startup that was expanding internationally kind of at the same time. And, yeah, it's just been a roller coaster running at breakneck speeds for the last few years which has been really exciting. I mean, that's what kept me interested in it for so long. What's your core business? Like I said in the outset, it's, I guess it started as a way for, you know, accountants in Adelaide to kind of share infrastructure and resources and overheads. From there, it's kind of expanded out into a full-fledged software startup where part of that infrastructure and research and development we were doing was actually building, I guess you can call it practice management software. And I mean, that practice management software is really the heart of what we do. And then I guess, you know, we've still got the marketing and the HR and all of that sort of bundled up with it. So, I mean, that's the core business is practice management for sole practitioner accountant. And yeah, I guess there's a lot more to it than just software though. Okay. So do you actually have a software product and that you're marketing a practice management system at this point? Yes, that's right. But again, it's not something that we kind of just open up to the general public in order to actually get software or access to that software. You would actually need to join the Acodex network in the first place. So we keep a very tight lid on it. I see. Okay. How many members do you have now? We'd have, I'd say, about 15, I would guess. Wow. Yeah, so we're taking on about two or three each quarter. Okay. Well, congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) In addition to running your own practice, you know, this is a lot to take on. Yeah, right. I saw somewhere... It looked like you were expanding in the U.S. Do you have members in the U.S. as well? Yeah, 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 we do. I'm thinking maybe five or six-ish in the U.S. and now two in Canada. Okay. 
Well, I didn't intend to go here, but now that I'm understanding a little bit more about the organization, if I'm I'm a young accountant, I'm thinking about starting a practice, or maybe I have a practice, Mm -hmm. already a small practice I've had for a few years, what are some of the benefits of joining Aquidex and then also of the practice management system that you guys have? What are some of the unique advantages? Yeah, so that's a good analogy is like, you know, imagine you're a young accountant, you've been working in public for, you know, say five or six years, and you're ready to kind of go out and start, like go out on your own and start a practice. And I mean, just first there, it's like, well, you don't actually know anything about starting a practice. So I guess, you know, by joining the Acodex network, it's like, you don't need to know how to start a practice. It's all kind of like handed to you bit by bit in terms of the training that we actually provide for, for new partners and then all of the infrastructure that we provide them and I guess the human side in terms of support as well with the meetings and consultations and all of that sort of stuff. So it is very much like an accounting practice in a box in that respect. So, I mean, that would be the advantage is that you don't have to learn how to do this stuff because you're surrounded by people who've already done it. And it's not just the people at corporate that are going to help you. It's obviously the other partners in the network that have already established their own partners because they're not in a, you know, totally dissimilar position to you. They just might be a couple of years ahead of you in the journey. So that's the big upside here. What we're really trying to do at a codex is take all of the upside of being in practice for yourself and all of the upside of being a partner in a big firm and then actually merging them and then in the process of doing that, eliminate as much of the downside of either being in sole practice or being a partner in a firm, eliminate as much of that downside as we possibly can. Wonderful. So what's the future look like for a Codex as fast as it's been growing and you sound you know, excited about the future and maybe even a little surprised <laughs> about how fast it's grown, which is wonderful. You know, what does success look like in your mind? Where do you want to see it go? Well, I am kind of punting on this actually being, you know, the future status quo business model or structure for all accounting firms, I guess. It is a lot more responsive than, I guess, the traditional partnership-like structure. And I think it's a lot more flexible as well as a result. So, I mean, a codex is just going to continue to do its thing. The more partners that are in the network, I guess, the stronger the network effect and the more resources that we have. And I guess the more powerful the actual network becomes. So I think that's just going to continue to play its course. I mean, the cool thing about this is that I'm only 33. So I've got like another 30 years in this game, which I will probably be spending at a codex. So in terms of what does it look like in 30 years, I mean, that's pretty far in the future to actually tell. But I would very much like for a codex to be sort of in the top 10 sort of territory in terms of like, I guess, global accounting firms. Whether or not that's achievable, I guess that, you know, that's just something that we have to just wait and see. It amazes me that you're an accountant. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you just are such a people person. You're so creative. You've been a director at two, you know, the Startup Club, the Future Accountants Network. Now you've got a membership organization for accountants. I mean, you sound like more of a cross between a tech guy and a salesperson (laughs) than an accountant. I'll take that as a compliment. I think for me, accounting was definitely a means to an end, if that makes sense. If you come back to the sort of why I did it in the first place, I wouldn't even call myself an accountant, even though I technically am. 
But like for me, it's just like I had to learn the language of business, right? And once I'd learned that, it's like I then needed to go back to, I guess, the business. Now, when it actually comes to the sales side of things, I did as just as much study in sales as I did in accounting because I learned very early on in my career after a, a job interview that I guess it doesn't matter how good an accountant you are, it's about how many clients you can bring in the front door. I mean, that's what gets you partner. And I think that's a very important lesson for all of your listeners as well is that you can be the best accountant in the world, right? But if you can't bring fees in the front door, then you're probably never going to be made a partner. If you can be an average accountant, but if you're good at bringing clients into the practice, then you will get made partner. And I learned that at about age 21 and spent just as much time studying sales, communication, psychology, behavior, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as I did studying accounting. And I guess that's kind of, you know, why I'm in the position I'm in now. I knew this was going to be a good interview. Thank you. And then, yes, I definitely meant it as a compliment. You do seem like an individual that saw accounting as a means to an end to understand more about just general business. You enjoy business. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. You know, something else that intrigues me, and I didn't see going this direction either, but as I'm starting to understand more about Aquadex, you still operate your own firm. What are some of the... So I'm technically a customer of a codex, right? <laughs> yes. One of the so, first. I guess, what are some of the secrets to you being able to balance all this or some of the characteristics about how you work or how you manage that helps you, you know, balance building this thing and then also, obviously, you know, being a principal at your firm? There's no secret. It's called good people, right? So I can't take credit for any of this. It's like I've got a great team on both the Codex front and the Thriller Hooper front. And they definitely pick up a lot of the slack, right? So, you know, in terms of, I think the biggest trick, and this is not like a secret, is being able to, I guess, be responsive in terms of managing, you know, my time. Because it's not like it's a straight 50-50 split, you know, in terms of my practice and codex, right? It's not like, you know, on Thursdays and Fridays, I work in a codex and Mondays through to Wednesday, I'm in practice. It's like, you know, I have to change hats, I guess, you know, five or six times a day. And I guess being able to actually do that and to be responsive to that and change hats and change roles so quickly, I think that's kind of something that I have mastered over the last sort of three years. But yeah, I guess there's no real secret to it. I think just the ability to be adaptive is what's helped me. Okay. You know, one of the other things that caught my attention I thought this was a bold statement, which I just loved it, but it was on LinkedIn. You have it on LinkedIn. It Mm -hmm. says, I honestly believe that accountants have the ability to change the world. They just don't realize it yet. I don't know if that's just something you wrote on a whim at one point or if that's a founding principle somehow, but can we talk a little bit about that? What was the thought process behind that? Well, that's actually something I said along those lines at a TEDx talk that I actually gave, and it is something that I truly believe and that it took me a while to kind of discover it, I guess. You know, I didn't study accounting because I knew that you know, accountants could change the world. But I guess in the process of studying it, I realized how important accounting actually was in the grand scheme of literally everything. And, you know, the analogy that I used in my TED talk was to just think about the value chain. So, you know, if you just, you know, consider the seat that you're sitting in right now, 
that seat has crossed paths with like at least eight accountants, you know, in order to actually be there for you, you know, sitting on it. So you think about the raw materials and it's like there would have been a, a controller there, there would have been an accounts receivable clerk, there would have been an accounts payable clerk on the other side of, you know, that transaction and so on and so forth, right? So the impact that accountants have in terms of managing the flow of commerce, because if like, if commerce stops in the world, like everything else stops thereafter, right? And I guess, you know, accountants are really sort of the flight controllers or traffic directors of that commerce. And I think that's a very important role and one that we should take more seriously. Oh, I love that. Accountants are the flight controllers of commerce. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thinking about individuals that are in school right now, mm. what advice would you have for them to be better prepared for the accounting profession moving forward? you know, changes you see coming and how they can prepare for that? Yeah, cool. Good question. Um, And something that I'm acutely tuned into just because I do teach at university as well. And I get asked these types of questions a lot. I think the first one is actually really easy and a bit dumb, but I joke about, you know, get a LinkedIn profile now before you've actually graduated and actually make it your objective, you know, particularly during holidays to build it out to be the most epic LinkedIn profile possible. In fact, you should spend more time working on your LinkedIn profile than you should your resume. And the reason I say that is because I think in the pursuit of actually building out an epic LinkedIn profile, you end up building out an epic career. So you know, you might be looking at certain things. And I know this was the case for me where it's like, you know, volunteer causes and experiences are like, yeah, I don't really have many. Maybe I should go get some. Where it's like got a blank section on publications. It's like, oh, maybe I should go write something and publish some of my thoughts or even publish one of my university papers that I got a good grade for so I can at least put out to the market and the world that it's like, well, this is get a sneak peek inside my thought process. I think that looks good. And I think, you know, the pursuit of actually filling out those things actually delivers you results. Some other things that you can do is getting work experience like now before you actually graduate. That was hands down one of the best things that I did career-wise for me. And that's what my mentor Carly actually recommended I do was to actually get in early because I think you do learn more. It puts you in better standing, you know, relative to students that have no sort of uh, public accounting experience that are then graduating, because then you've got to compete with everyone else for all of the graduate jobs. If you can kind of sneak in before graduation, even if it's just through an internship, I think that's going to put you in a better position, like long run. And I guess another one, you know, keeping in tune with that is to actually get a mentor. I think the number one thing that made all of the difference was actually having a mentor or who was, you know, maybe five years ahead of me in public accounting. She was a senior accountant. Having a mentor that I would catch up with, say, you know, every month and getting her perspective and her advice and then I think more importantly, taking action on all of that advice made a huge difference for me. I mean, it set everything else in motion for me. Wonderful. Well, I end every podcast with the same three questions. One more question before we get to those, though. Sure. I'm curious, you've just, you're 33 years old, and you've done so much, and you had a you know, very interesting start as well. Thinking about your own career and even your own life, if you could go mm. back in time and give your younger self just one piece of critical advice, what do you think that might be? 
It's a really good question because I think in some respects I can't and don't regret any of the previous decisions I've made, if that makes sense, because obviously every decision that I've made has gotten me to this point and I'm pretty chuffed with that, you know, the point that I'm at, you know, right now. So I'm going to give you a bit of a joke answer, which is don't buy that car. Right. So I fell into this trap, I guess, as a 16 year old in terms of buying like sports car after sports car. And it ended up just becoming like this massive money pit and cognitive overload or burden for me, which didn't, you know, I guess to use a Mari Kondo term, spark joy. So believe it or not, I actually got rid of my car, I think five or six years ago, and I don't have a car anymore. And I've got to tell you, I'm a lot better off for it. So, I mean, it's not necessarily career advice, but definitely life advice is to just do not fall into that consumption trap. <laughs> well, when you're in the fitness business, you have to look cool, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's tragic. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, I, I don't know that you could have said anything better or funnier. <laughs> Thank you. That's well, I just think about this in hindsight, and I probably would have had an extra 200K in my 401K, like, you know, if I hadn't have made those decisions. Yes. Yeah. It makes you a better accountant and advisor now. <laughs> yeah, right. Life lessons. Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions. And given that this is just starting your day out and it's ending my day, I think I better get to those. Um, The first one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? I think winning the Editor's Choice Award at the Australian Accounting Awards a couple of years ago, that definitely has to be sort of like the cherry on the top career-wise. Wow. There's so much more we could go into on this podcast. (laughs) I have to do an addition to later on. Well, second question. Tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And frankly, the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, of course, because we're looking for the lesson. So, I mean, I won't double up and use the car lesson. That was definitely the hard way. So I might actually, I guess, give you a career lesson instead. So I think... The career lesson here is probably about choosing who you work with very carefully. And this is from a business partner perspective. This is from an employee perspective. And I mean, even in terms of like for those listeners that aren't in business, like pick the firm that you're going to work for very carefully. Because at the end of the day, like, all companies, all businesses are basically just collections of people, right? And if you don't gel with the people in that company, then you're going to have problems, not necessarily immediately, but you will have problems later down the line. Now, if you are in business or in practice, then like those problems can potentially have like big and dire consequences in terms of, you know, disasters or litigation or what have you. And all of them are basically a distraction from what you went into business in the first place on. So I think that's my lesson. It's a bit cryptic, but it's certainly more practical than, you know, don't spend money on sports cars. Sure. There's probably several stories behind that one. So (laughs) yeah, a whole other podcast, I suspect. (laughs) Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and say goodbye. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? The best piece of advice I've received, again, was from Carly. I hope I think she does listen to some of these. Was like, I guess, once you're in, you know, the first piece of advice, which was probably the best, but I've already talked about that, was get a job before you graduate. The second piece of advice was now that you're in, 
work as hard as you humanly can, right? So that was like be the first in the office, be the last to leave, you know, don't take your lunch breaks, you know. And this is kind of insane, but also, you know, there's a valuable like lesson in this is it's like if you do that and you just say yes to everything, so when the partners throw up these weird random assignments that nobody wants to do, just say yes. Say yes, say yes, say yes, and just work hard and hustle, right, for like for four years. If you do that for four years, I literally thought of it as a prison sentence, right? And I'm like, okay, cool, just one more year, just one more year, I can make it. Once you've done that for four years and you've got your CA or your CPA, then it's like you can literally just go anywhere you want, right, because that work ethic is kind of just hardwired into you. So that's probably the advice. It's probably not what people wanted to hear, but, I mean, there's no, there's no silver bullet to this. No problem. Well, actually, that is perfect advice because it's timeless. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. Right. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your time with us, Chris. I know there again, scheduling was an issue. So I appreciate you making an exception and working with me on that. And I hope to talk to you more again later on in the future as Acodex, you know, continues to grow. Sounds good. Well, that was my interview with Chris Hooper of Acodex and Cirillo Hooper and Company there in Adelaide, Australia. Like I mentioned in the beginning, Chris is definitely an energetic and accomplished entrepreneur, and he's continuing to work towards making a difference, not just in accounting, but in business operations overall. If you enjoyed this episode, please check us out online for other episodes you would enjoy as well and for our online courses and written publications. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Once again, that's whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We very, very much appreciate you. We'll see you next week. There's more to come.